I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Welcome to Fever FM. Tonight, there's a full team of podcasters, Dale, Dave, Tracy, and Cam. Hello, all. Hello, hello. Good evening, Frosty. Hi, hi. Can everyone tell apart all the football that they've watched and categorize them into actual games, or is it just one big blur like it is for me? Definitely a blur. It's been yeah. a lot of football, and it's been great. I'm, start, I'm, start, I'm starting to get the whole Morocco-Portugal uh, kits mixed up because they're so similar, and their games are just merging into one massive thing. It's going to be a pain next round when they play each other. Come on, Morocco. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Um, we're best we leave Morocco out of this chat, otherwise you're going to be swearing a lot because <laughs> there is some douchebaggery in that team. Um, no... <laughs> No douchebaggery in this team. Uh, we're talking the Wahenix first. Uh, what can we say? It was uh, it was a not a bad wee start to the game, I thought. I mean, I, I think it's starting to get towards worry time for me. Like, we've, we've still uh, two games where they played a really good first half um, and then just shat the bed. And this performance, uh, to be honest, I thought it looked pretty weak. Up, up front, we still look like we just struggle. Um, we're scrambling at the back a lot. We don't have the majority of possession. We don't look that under control with the ball at feet. And we look like we offer very little in the front third. So I think now you're three games in, I think you'd have to say those are trends rather than it's going to come. You know, we've had enough time. We've had enough weeks. We've had enough minutes together that some of that stuff I'd be hoping looks a little better. But there are still glimpses in there of some good football and, and maybe it'll all come right. I didn't think it was that bad at the very beginning, but certainly the I, I take your point about the panic that yeah that there's not a tremendous amount of trust in that defensive quartet. No, I will say we scramble well, um, but we still we still the, the thing that worries me the most at the back is I think we scramble well. We often break up the the chance, and then no one puts their laces through it. We kind of dilly-dally on it a bit in the box rather than just getting it the hell out of there. Like, if we're going to focus on on scrambling, you need to then bloody get rid of it because we are we are disrupting attacking play all right in the back there, and, but then we sit on it. In that situation, the game on the weekend, we were playing an un, a, a pair that hadn't played together before because Kate Taylor was out. Um, so Marissa van der Meer was playing centre-back, where she's usually playing right or she's capable of playing right or left-back. She can play it either. Um, so it, it, not saying this is it, but it could be you know, the lack of understanding between the two players, because they have only had a few days working together in that particular type of role. So the scrambling, we know they can scramble because they've, been, they've done that in the last couple of games prior to this. So that's a continuation of something that we have seen. Um, it may just be that, you know, Mackenzie's been playing with Kate for so long, they're used to each other, and they play better together. I think I'd make the same criticism of the first two games as well, where we are sometimes getting that touch and getting a toe in there, winning a bit of ball, and then we don't know quite what to do with it. And someone just needs to put their laces through it sometimes. Is this something you can see as a hangover from last season? Is this a continuation of last season, or is there something different? Maybe. Um... I don't know. I feel like last season we were under a lot of pressure a lot of the time. Um, and I wasn't so focused on the results, I guess. We we expected very little last year. But I guess I guess those 2.45 minutes in those first two games gave me hope we were going to see more here. Um, and I just feel like rather than building on that, we're kind of seeing more of those second half performances creeping in rather than more of the first half. Last season, Kate Taylor was a standout because she was so busy, right? She was busy all the time, but she was making good scrambling saves all the time. We know that she has that in her. So for me, this is just a continuation of the behaviours that we've seen in the play that we've seen previously. This might just be the standard for for where this team is at, that yeah. type of that level of defence. Um, and it may require a more steady 
um, less turnover within the four and a steadier hand sitting at six or perhaps two steady hands sitting at six instead of just Betsy there? No disrespect to Bree, but I, it doesn't feel like she commands the the back four's attention uh, like the skipper does. Um, yeah. I, w- I would agree. I think I think that's probably the big thing is that that voice at the back probably isn't there. And I think, as you say, they're probably normally relying on um, Lily to provide that and she's not there, which I think is probably the bigger miss. But I think the other thing I, I would say is as well, they're looking to play out from the back and I just don't see someone sitting in that kind of six role to be that linchpin if you're going to play out from the back. They don't have someone there offering that option. So it's it's pretty much always wide and it just doesn't look that convincing and it's too slow which is why I think you'd, if it was me, I'd be saying give up on trying to play it out in some of those situations. Just put your laces through it. Um, you know, there's there's no point stuffing around on the six-yard box when you've got strikers all over you. Yeah, I I, I think if they're going to play out from the back, as you say, they've either got to have someone as an option in the middle to, to spread that, that defensive line out, or you've got to have someone dropping back into the middle so you can create the overloads out out wider by playing effectively a three at the back and the wing backs kind of moving up. But they don't seem to that doesn't seem to be their instinct. They seem to they seem to sit in that line a lot. Even when on attack, it just seems very rigid. I I, I mean I guess most of these uh, women are very young and haven't had uh, you know massive amounts of professional level coaching. So is that what's missing? Well, despite all of that, which, you know, you can agree or disagree with Frosty, the reality is none of this is how we conceded the goal. Um, it wasn't It wasn't from open play. It was from a set piece. Um, so it's kind of all a moot point in this game, given that wasn't what we actually ended up losing this game based on. Yes, point taken. But I think that you've got to also kind of give uh, give the other point that that's the first goal that victory have scored, I think, this season. Yep. So they're not a you know they're not a good open open play team at the moment, at least. So maybe we're not comparing apples with apples. Um, yeah, that that goal you speak of, that's yeah, it, it wasn't good, was it? A little easy. It was a nice header, though. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was finished well, but from that range, you'd kind of hope so. Yeah, another one that's you know from a header again. Yeah, you know, we had was it three of them last week? I think the week before. Um, so it's becoming a little bit of a pattern of, you know, um, not having any command or even just a little bit of height in there. Someone to get above everyone else to to clear it away. There isn't anyone tall on there either, right? The the I think McKenzie is probably the tallest player in the team. There's certainly no one that they're short. It's a short team of players. I think Zoe McMeekin maybe, and she wasn't playing, obviously. So yeah, yeah, it just it feels like they're not getting the bodies, you know, getting position on their markers. At least making it difficult to get heads to balls. You know, getting heads in the way. I mean, if you've ever defended someone taller, you know, you've just got to put something in there and just put them off, even if, you know, even if you're giving away a foot. Yeah, that's exactly right. You need to be in there disrupting something else if you're not going to just be able to straight out jump them. You, you've got to, you've got to be doing more. I didn't see who the player was that was on the. Well, I don't remember. Sorry, who the player was that was on the header of the ball. Um, well, that's it. I wasn't sure who it was. And that might, in in the end, if they're zonal marking, then that could be half the problem, right? I, I but know. I don't think I, they I are. Don't, I, haven't, I haven't, I haven't checked it. I haven't looked at it closely enough to work it out. Uh, yeah, I don't think they are playing zonal marking. I think they're just they're not getting tight on defenders. Like that, it, it feels very much like they're. I don't know. It's like I've seen it seen it with kids kids teams. They kind of get taught one thing, and that's the way they think of. You know, they don't switch between, you know, open play where you've just you've got to play position. Um, and then switch to a you know a set piece where you you know you've got man mark, a man to mark and stick on them like glue. Is is it just a, a lack of experience? Do you think? 
I mean, it could be. I think I think the other thing that we probably should talk about in this one as well, though, is the the heat. I mean, this this was hot, and players yes, were yeah. struggling in the heat. I think we, you know, last season they were based over there. They probably were a bit more used to it. Coming coming from Wellington over to what was it? It was about thirty five degrees. I think you know yeah. is going to have an impact on not only your fitness but even even just your kind of cognitive space that you're in because. It does impact that. We all know what it's like going just into a hot environment. Going into that hot environment and playing 90 minutes of professional football is, yeah, I, I'm sure that has an impact too. Do you think that the heat, though, do you think that um, condenses the game a little bit more? Like it, it keeps it a bit closer? Like I think on the men's side, when there's been hot games in Australia, it's always like a nil or a one nil because people just don't have the burst of energy to, to break. Yeah break defences down. I wonder whether, you know, if, uh, look at the stats, you know, victory were comfortably hit in, in all of them. Um, and, and obviously I think they hit the post in the second half as well. But I just wonder whether the scoreline kind of flatters us a little bit and, and perhaps the heat and, and that is, is part of that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true. I agree, um, I, I agree. Think- you could you could see that in some of their finishing as well because they did have the one where they hit the post, but they also had one. Um, I think it was in the first half as well where strike was through one on one and um, Bree made quite a good point blank save that probably should have been put away. Um, and there were other good chances as well. So I think I think you can put some of it down to that, but I think the heat's always going to affect us more. Um, you know, Melbourne's Melbourne's not a hot place, but they do get thirty degree days a hell of a lot more than Wellington does. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty sure they would be more acclimatised to that kind of shift in weather than we would. I've, I've been there when it's been over 40, so uh, it's uh, it can get pretty brutal in Melbourne. Yeah, I've had um, a 45 in Melbourne and a 47 in Adelaide when I've been over oh, there. It's Jesus. not pleasant. No. I think um, yeah, I was going to raise the same point um, purely on player welfare, but looking at the actual the game itself, uh, the heat slows everything down, right? It just it just does. It's a much slower game, and I think. If you were controlling position in that kind of um, in that kind of climate, you are going to be conserving a hell of a lot more energy. Um, you know, is it, you're not chasing ball. We were chasing ball for an awful long period of that time. They had much more position than us, certainly much more quality. And our retention position, particularly in transition, was poor. We're giving mm. away a lot. Um, mainly, I think. Isabel Gomez, when she came on, gave away a ball a couple of times. She actually performed pretty well and was certainly getting about a lot, um, flying into a few challenges and stuff. But, you know, the ball retention through there was bad. I think Chloe gave it away a couple of times as well. The only one I didn't see doing it was Betsy. Um, but she is obviously a class above. She and has proven so in the three games I've seen her play so far. So without that position uh, and without the, um, the retention, we're chasing shadows all day, and it's just going to burn us out by the end. I think that certainly showed. It certainly showed on Alyssa. Um, whilst every time she gets the ball, she is getting heavily marked because she is our most creative outlet, and she's getting two people on her a lot, and she's getting kicked an awful lot. I don't think that makes a difference in what um, happened with her. That that heat has just taken its toll on someone who has you know just not used to it. I don't know. You you hit the ground enough times that. Uh, you get the wind knocked out of you and got to pick yourself back up again. It's a it's a pretty horrible feeling in the heat. Hard um, to get your breath back in that kind of heat too, right? It's it's not refreshing. So yeah. I mean, yeah. she is also a, a fairly slight girl. So when she hits the ground, she's going to hit the ground hard, and she's not going to take quite the hammering that uh, say um, Mackenzie Barry's going to take. I think. Sure. I was just going to ask: Was it Alyssa who also threw up last week? Like. It was, yeah. Should we be concerned? Do you know what I mean? Like, a player throws up after one match and then has to go off with heat exhaustion the next week. Like, should we be concerned about that? It there depends. I mean, welfare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it's a stomach bug, you know, she's possibly going to be dehydrated the next week. If it's a head knock that's making her throw up, then yeah. Because they, they, I don't know that they said anything about why she, why she vomited the first game did she did they i think i think she'd just given everything mate she got to the end of it and um yeah came off the field exhausted and vomited from it this this one on the weekend i think there's like she took a very heavy head knock right about five minutes before she was um subbed off and i thought it was perhaps you know a delay Mm -hmm. concussion type situation when she went back down but i didn't see her go down 
they've come out and said it was the heat and it was purely the heat and she, once she went in and started resting and cooling down she was okay but you know it could be a combination of both of those things so the player welfare questions there tracy it's entirely fair to bring it up and it's not the first time that it's been brought up with the the women's competition as well it's like the number of times that during the old ffa days they were out in you know between midday and three o'clock you know i recall there wasn't even changing sheds in a couple of locations so they were out in the sun the entire time yeah, I saw some. I saw some fans on Twitter talking about, um, in general, the the um, women's A League games at the weekend and saying, you know, they they talk a lot about trying to put them on at family friendly hours, but that heat's not friendly for spectators either. No one's taking their kids out in that sort of heat in the height of the day. It's it's not family friendly hours mm. at all when we're talking this kind of thing. So it's it's not the, like obviously there's a player welfare element, but. It, it doesn't make sense from a spectator point of view either because you don't have people turning up to watch in that heat. You just don't. So there's a solid argument for saying we shouldn't be playing these games in this heat at that time of time of day at this period of the year. So um, I, I would hope that, that that's looked at down the line, but I don't know that we're going to see a fix for it this season. Yeah, I, I genuinely don't know what the fix is. I mean... If you're going to be, especially if you're going to be playing the women's league at the same time as the men's league, getting double ups without the clashes of games is is kind of um, it's going to be a tough one. Every other league in the world plays games at the same time, and we started doing that, and we have started doing that at um, at A leagues level. There's no reason why we can't do more of that and just take the regular time as a five or six o'clock night kickoff in Australia rather than a you know, four, three or four o'clock in the afternoon, Australian time kickoff. There's, there's no, there's no problem with doing that. The technology is there for Paramount to put that on multiple channels or have them streaming. You know, there's, there's, there's no concern there. So, um, I think your the biggest concern right now, and it was always was in Fox days, was they wanted to show every single game live on the same channel. At all, you know, and. There's, there's just no need for that to happen in this day and age. They can show all those games. You can pick and choose. Well, the other the other thing is there's a couple of um, stadium air conditioning units over in Qatar at the moment that uh, will be going on sale very soon. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I saw the, uh, one of these stadiums is, is made out of shipping containers and is getting deconstructed. I was wondering whether Western Western United might uh, try sneak it at a cut price deal. <laughs> well, actually, apparently that's, um, that guy, that one's earmarked for uh, Uruguay if they win the 2030 World Cup bid. Right. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I heard that they're pretty much half of the stadiums are going to get torn down and put down somewhere else. So, yeah, good luck. Um, would be nice to have one of them over here. They look rectangular stadiums look good. Um, is there anything that? So, what are the quick fixes now for the the Wahinics? I mean, as Dave's pointing out, it's starting to look a bit a bit trend worthy rather than just an aberration that we're scrambling and and not holding the ball. Do we have any options uh, as far as personnel or tactics? I mean, a big part of that question probably is you're waiting on players to come back from injuries, right? I think that makes a big difference. Um, obviously, you shouldn't hang your whole season on we need some players to come back from injury, but I do think that's got to be a factor in, in what they're thinking here is there's a couple big names who are still sitting out with injuries that shouldn't be far away. Um, that any one of those might be the catalyst for this all clicking, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, who are you thinking? Because, I mean, I'm thinking Rollo is there, but they've struggled to get the ball up to that top third. So that's, you know, she might provide a bit of cutting edge if they get the ball up there. And Kate Taylor coming back is obviously big um, in that she's, you know, a, a leadership talisman. But I don't know that either one of those players solves the dilemma they've got with ball retention. Well, my my um my concern at the moment is around, uh, yeah, we, we need two sixes, effectively. Um, I would be starting Isabel Gomez um, with Betsy Hassett in central. Ostensibly, we're doing a 4-3-3, but that doesn't seem to be working. We're certainly not providing the um, the balls into Ava Pritchard to give her any chance of scoring. The two wide wingers, whilst both quick and uh, tricky, obviously, it, it's... 
it isn't it's not getting to them it's not the linking play isn't happening because we're losing it further back i think it'd be more pragmatic to come back and do more of a 4-2-3-1 type formation um, and have perhaps Isabel and Betsy maybe even playing two eights so Chloe and um, and Isabel one of them drop uh, one of them dropping into yeah Grace Wisniewski if she's available as well um, and then um, putting uh, trying Rollo up top um, I know you, there needs to be there needs to be something else another outlet in there another way of taking the pressure off Betsy Hassett whilst she is as I say our standout player thus far we need to take the pressure off that transition through there and give another outlet to just try and keep that position keep that um because at the moment you know it's it's there's no point having all the attacking talent we've got up the top if you can't get the ball to them yeah i i i think i think i mentioned it slightly before but i, I like that four two three one um approach for this team because three up the front if we're not getting the the ball to them it's just not going to work but whether that's a tactical change of a six that can drop in and you can create the overloads wider or whether it's a six who picks up the ball and is able to turn or um i'm i'm not sure if we've got the ball playing six though like gomez feels like a terrier well gomez is is, uh, more of a I was going to say she's not really a, she's not really of an eight. Yeah, she's more Cammy Devon. She can probably fit into both roles, right? Um, Betsy's Betsy's a six. Uh, Chloe's an eight. So we have the we have the um, the personnel in there who can do the job. It's how you distribute the players and the talent further up the field. And I think if you're going to play that, it's almost worth playing one of the almost playing two up the top. So do a four two 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 like the men the men are playing at the moment, but two uh, two wide tents. Um, yeah, and it's, it certainly it certainly feels like at the moment we're wasting what are speed speedy wingers with a lack of ability to get the ball to them. Yeah, to me it it, it feels like it needs. Um doesn't need someone necessarily that that can turn on the ball, just someone that gets a six that kind of moves the ball on quickly. You know, uh, if you remember Albie Riera, um, Matty Steinman, there was never really any, any hot, you know, turning with the ball or anything like that. It was play the way you're facing and just one, two, the ball away into a different area just to spread it and do it as quickly as you can. Um, it doesn't, yeah, it feels like that's that sort of small change that making the rest of the team kind of making themselves available for a, for a, a low, sorry, for a high percentage pass and a low risk pass is probably all that's missing. That, that tentativity that Dave mentioned before about in defence, maybe that's a, kind of the that mentality that's kind of holding them back slightly in that transition as well. If we look at the games, the previous games, Betsy's had a lot of joy uh, receiving and turning and running uh, at defence. Um, the first two games, she, there was there was she had a lot of space. She could find a lot of space. Um, so you know, maybe we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater by doing this, right? I don't know, but you're right. Something needs to change in that transition because we are losing the ball. Betsy, whilst she just perhaps perhaps we just need a different option, not just her. And it's not saying anything against Betsy because I think she is by far and away our standout player. Yeah, I don't disagree, but I, I think I think to some extent you might be right. You know, the, the formation we're playing at the moment, um, we do have a lot of attacking players and we're not seeing a lot of attacking output from it, right? You're committing a lot of people in the formation to playing the final third and we had three shots that game and I believe none of them are inside the box. So you're committing a lot of players up there and it's not like you're getting the reward for it particularly. So a change in shape to commit some more into that midfield to help that transition where we know there is a bit of a struggle doesn't seem like that insane an idea. But I do, I agree with Cam. I think whoever misses out in, in whatever change you do make there would be very unlucky because it's not like I think those players up front are playing badly, nor do I think the players who are kind of in those transitional roles at the moment are playing badly. But the, the outputs across the eleven aren't what we need them to be so some someone might have to be the one to to be cut and you know just to try something new um so yeah that might be the right option 
Yeah, totally agree. It just feels like it's that the combination isn't there. You know, the, the, it's not the the right eleven with the right tactic or something just needs to adjust. And it's not as simple as just getting rid of Ronaldo out of your team. I think they should just try ten percent harder, maybe. See how that goes. Twenty <laughs> percent more. Is that the problem? They're only giving a hundred percent, Dale. Yeah. Why go a hundred when you can go hundred and ten? Yeah. Valid yeah. point. I mean, except for Alyssa, because Alyssa's doing one hundred and twenty and vomiting after games. So, quite frankly, she can keep going as she's going. Well, if anything, but, she can give like ten, twenty percent less, so she can get through a few more minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's obviously <laughs> wasting a lot of energy with actually vomiting. So you know. And and before we get any uh, messages, that's tongue firmly in cheek, folks. Yeah. If you haven't figured out our our banter by now, it's nothing is serious, not even including it's, the it's serious shit. talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um before we uh, before we move on, is there is there anything that um do we th- uh, we have we've kind of mentioned tactics, but not actually the the new coach kind of it is her third game in charge of a professional uh, side. Is this just a learning curve? I mean, I'm sure there's an element of that. Nat's been around coaching for a long time, but this is a this is a different level and a different challenge, the same as it is for the players, right? So I'm, mm. I'm sure she's feeling it out a bit as well. And to be honest, I don't envy the problem she has because, I mean, you look at the squad and we've got a, a, a range of very good players, but how you get them all on the field at the same time, is not an easy question to answer. I think if you gave all of us that same squad and said pick a starting starting eleven, we would struggle as well, and we'd probably all have quite different lineups just because of the there is some good quality in there. But how do you get them all on the field at the same time is a tough problem to solve. It certainly is. Um, we should roll on to some other football uh, before we try and uh, reinvent the wheel for the Wahinix. Uh There is was one major game of football going on for the National League. Uh, Olympic playing Auckland City in Auckland, uh, predetermined, not actually a home game for Auckland. Uh, everyone was hoping it was going to be quite the spectacle, and it turns out it was, maybe not for some of the best reasons in the world. Um, uh, fantastic start by um I was about to say T Dubs, but uh by Olympic. That first ten minutes was I thought pretty decent. What was it, one off the post and one off the crossbar? I think yeah, they they should have been clear, too clear. Could have been too clear very easily in the first twenty minutes. Um and in the end obviously that did come back to haunt them. Um but do you want to they, skip that bit first and just say the good stuff, mate? Yeah, so the, the good stuff, well, as I say, they had the post of the crossbar. To be fair, they should have done better. Jesse Randall should have scored. Um, his, he definitely should have scored his, and he has the talent and ability to slot those and has done multiple times this season, um, including four in a game against Christchurch. So, you know, it's um, in that situation, I think it's uh, maybe he was slightly overawed, I guess. Um, but... Once they conceded two relatively quick goals in that first half, which felt like it was against the run of play, perhaps it was the the tide was turning slightly by that point. But the, the tide had turned, I think, by that stage. But yeah. should we talk those goals? They were they were soft. So yes, yes, very much so. Well, the first one was offside, wasn't it? The one that Gully. No, got. I don't think so. Got tackled and it fell to another one of their players who I was pretty sure was beyond everyone. Uh, um, I thought that was their second? Second was a penalty. The, f- no, the first one was, was a penalty, scramble. sorry. There was yeah. A, yeah. Um, no, the first, I, I, I didn't think it was. I thought it was was in line. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think. You're right. It was close. Um, VAR probably would have been ideal in that situation, but you know, not in the New Zealand National League. So I don't think to, the uh, camera angle was quite good enough to, to be able to determine yeah. from watching on telly um, yeah. whether it was offside. Or it's not, not going to stop us trying from uh, incidents from later on, though. I swear. <laughs> um, no, I mean the, there were lines cut in the grass, and that the lines kind of corresponded, and it was kind of like it was close enough that. You could see that the assistant was right in line. It's kind of like it, you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. He was in the right place, made the call, and yeah. But yeah, the, 
that that defense opened up like the Red Sea. I think it was the first one. Just no, a the, massive gap. The, the second, the second one was. Oh, is it the second bad. one? Yeah, yeah. where um, someone stepped out. I'm not sure who it was. Yeah, someone the centre back stepped out and just yeah. left a massive, massive hole. Gap, massive, massive hole. And uh, they just watched on through, and you know, Scotty basically couldn't do anything. And that was the point where you're going. Actually, they're in, um, they're in a bit of trouble because they didn't take those opportunities early, and you know. Once you're two behind it, Auckland, Auckland don't you tend to lose from two out, two up very often. So. I, I wasn't even worried about the the loss at that stage. I I was worried that it was going to turn into a rout because those those goals were so easy, and because it's a final, they've got to actually throw it out there. But in fairness, they um, they provided one little spark right towards the end. It was kind of it was tough going that first half, but managed to um, get uh, one round the um, defensive line and I've forgotten the lad's name who has cut across the back of uh, the attacking player with the ball and got himself in dogzo trouble. I can't remember who was the player sent off. It was Jack Henry that was running through on goal and he was clear on goal and there was no cover defence that was coming through. Reed Drake. Reed Drake playing. He'd, he'd already come on as a sub um, yes. for uh, yeah. earlier injury to an Auckland City player. Um it was actually good refereeing in the end because obviously he's given a yellow initially uh, because the where his positioning was, it looked like there was a cover defender that could come across. But he's taken advice from his fourth and his from his uh, from his lino and uh, changed that to a red for a dog. So and it, like watching it on TV, it was there was no way any cover defender was getting near Jack before he had a clear shot on goal. Um, and in Jack's form, he could stop that. So yeah, it was, it was a fair call. Yeah, I think um, Jacob Spoonley had, had said that was going to that was rough, and then he looked at the replay and went, "Actually, uh, no." I think the only person that was even throwing any questions uh, that way was um, was the Auckland coaching staff. Um, they were they were certainly giving it the please explain, but I I don't know that there was anything to explain, was there? No, I don't think so. No, it looked red all all day to me. I, I was surprised when the yellow came out initially. Oh, well, you picked a better than I did. I thought it was yellow until I saw that replay, and yes. But yeah, as Cam, as you said, Cam, I thought that was particularly good refereeing. Um, that to actually go and consult with his assistant and take the advice. And the stuff I was reading on Twitter suggests it was actually the fourth who got involved and said you need to have a look at that. That's um, what I saw I'm, as well. Yeah, whether that was true or not, but that was the that was my understanding of how it went down. Yeah, I thought I thought it was the fourth and the lino that we're chatting to. Yeah, and I think that's why the Auckland bench were a bit up in arms because that's not really the role of the. Fourth. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought the fourth official would would actually have a reasonable angle on it. So, well, I, I guess the I mean, Doxos are quite tricky, right? Because the referee is is looking at the incident, and then the incident happens, and then you got to look around and see where everyone is. So by the time you've done that, the kind of play's moved on. So it always looks mm. like defenders are closer because they've had two or three steps to get closer to the play. So um, it doesn't surprise me that it, it takes a bit of a, an army of officials to kind of consult and work out where everyone sort of was at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I, but you'd think, you'd hope that the assistant, like I, I would hope that the fourth didn't get involved because he should be basically on that centre, near that centre line anyway. But there's, there's definitely going to be an assistant that's going to be in line and at least see, you know, were there any players in advance of the, ball carrier and see but yeah in this case look look red all day um i thought um auckland did pretty well holding on for the next little while um with only 10 next 45 minutes basically they they were they were pretty much under the cosh for almost all of the second half and uh i'm genuinely surprised the olympic didn't win from that point they had plenty of opportunity to do so there were a lot of opportunities. Again, they hit the crossbar in the second half. I think Connor Gall hit the crossbar in the second half. Had a goal poorly ruled out for offside because it was never offside. Um, and, you know, there was every chance for them to take that victory. So in the end, I only look at Olympic themselves and their finishing. That was the reason why they didn't win it. Yeah, the only thing I didn't I didn't think that they were I thought that they had chances, but it never felt like it was they were guilt edge chances. Like they 
really should have slotted them um, any more than Auckland kind of squandered them in the first half. Um, the, the Gould, I thought, um, played pretty well, but I was kind of worried that vein on the side of his forehead was going to explode in the first half, and it didn't get any smaller in the second half. He looked, he looked like he was playing in thirty-five degree heat. Uh, the the dude, I think he's from the West Country, uh, so he's not used to any type of heat, um, and so it's it's probably just he's one of these naturally red when he exercises people like I am. So, yeah, but nah, he, he played he played well, mate. He played he did play well. He was unlucky to have that goal ruled out for offside. Um, I think it. No, it wasn't him, was it? It, uh, it came off the defender and went in, so it was no goal. But he was very, very unlucky to have that happen. No, you mean the one in the first half where he goes up, he was offside and went up for the header? Yeah, no, that was, he was off, mate. No, he wasn't. He was definitely not offside. Was <laughs> 100% horrendous decision by the uh, by the lino, and I will uh, live and die by that. Okay. I'll let you live and die that by that one. Uh, has anyone got any other... Uh, general wrap up for the um olympic season i mean it has been pretty successful uh they've been kind of knocking on the door for many moons but to get to the final while it's a little disappointing to not win it still a pretty decent season um especially when you've got a you know that they've got to play away for a significant number of those games unlike auckland that are playing a lot in auckland can can i just say um, on a general sort of tangent, um, how disappointed is that our two, I guess, best clubs and probably, well, most well-funded, don't seem to have any um, women's side to their club? Yeah. Rangers? <laughs> Olympic and Auckland oh, City. Shit. Rangers do have a women's team, buddy. They do. They have uh, multiple they have... women's teams. Yes, yeah. I was about to say. I've it's also it. it's also particularly interesting given it's actually requirements under your your um your licensing for national league is to have a women's program and youth programs right really so, it's definitely are, something um, they were bringing in i'm not sure if it was i didn't realize it was in place now but i know that it was something that they were putting in place yeah it's it's been in there but it's not it's not an absolute requirement but across the broad range of what you need for your license you kind of can't have too many exceptions um and obviously this is one both of those clubs are getting is that they don't need to fulfill that. Um, like I say, it's not an absolute requirement. You don't have to tick every single box in that club licensing to get a club license, but the more unticked boxes you've got, the harder it is to get that license. So, Yeah, that is a bit disappointing. Um, uh, certainly um, you would think that at least having some senior representation would be like a goal from many moons ago, but I mean, um, imagine, imagine how much uh, Auckland City could get out of the Chilean Trust if they only had female players to do coaching as well. <laughs> Shots fired. Yep. Um, <laughs> right across the bell. No, yep. but like I totally agree. I think it's. But I mean, the question becomes: How do you build that from scratch? Because essentially. I don't think they've ever had that side of the club, right? So how do you build that from scratch? Well, um, Miramar didn't have a women's first team last season, did they? But they've had women's teams in the past. Like, sure. and they've the had women's past. teams going back to my days, mate. Yeah, and and was, in the yeah. recent past as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Before we were kicking. Shots wired. Shots wired yeah. across the bell. Nice one. I like that. Oh, no, she's dead right. We used to kick a rock around. You're also saying you're really, really old, buddy. Um, hey, those yeah, words that, never left my mouth. But you did, it, it's okay. You didn't have to. We we accept that. It's good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not impossible, obviously. Um, the women's team doesn't necessarily have to be competitive first-level team in its first season. You just have to have that program, right? So you can't expect them to go out and find a National League-worthy uh, women's team off the bat when you know a lot of those players are already tied into other clubs that they're playing at. So... Yeah. No, I don't think like no anyone's expecting that, but I think it's harder. Like more work has to go in to entice women to play who aren't playing at a high level and who feel like they're part of the club as well. Yeah. That's something that like 
very few clubs, particularly that I've seen, do well is combining the women's and the men's side of the club so that everybody feels valued and a part of that community. So, and it's even more so for people who you're trying to attract who maybe have played once or twice and want to join a club. But if you look at a club and you go, oh, they've only ever had a men's team, I'm not going to want to join that club. You're going to look at Wellington United, aren't you? Go, they've got a strong women's program. I'll go there and have a look. Yeah. And I think as well, like, I mean, to, to Dale's point, like, it's certainly interesting, but I don't I don't think anyone here would be suggesting we necessarily want them to become super clubs that dominate both the men's and women's game, right? Like, that's that's not the solution here um, is to just, you know. So I, th- I think it's I think it's kind of, fine that they're not the big players in the women game women's game but i do think it's disappointing that there's there's no women's program at those clubs i think that's the more noteworthy thing here because i think i think it would be hard even even with really strong financial backing um wherever that might be coming from to resource both of those um at the highest level because we know there's no prize money we know you know the the pot of kind of grant funding and travel expense and stuff you get back from new zealand football exists but it's, it's not covering everything right so if you are going to be operating a club that had both of those at the highest level i don't think you could fund it without having deep deep pockets and mm. i don't i you know those guys clearly fund their men's campaigns and don't have a lot left for anything else no that's fair um dale you're smiling Yep, yeah, he, I was. he's just enjoying that someone else is shooting <laughs> right beside him. This isn't a visual medium, buddy. <laughs> you got to put that into your voice. Well, if I wake up next to, a, next to a horse's head in the bed, I'll, I'll know where it's come from. <laughs> Express courier delivery from Auckland. And if it's anything like most Auckland couriers, it's going to take a week and a half to arrive. Um well, let's roll on to uh, the upcoming football. Um, the men's team, the the next men's team, you might remember them from, I don't know, it feels like a million games ago, but it was only a couple of weeks. Um, they will be getting back into action again uh, this weekend uh, up against the Wanderers uh, at Wollongong. So this will be technically a home game for the Knicks. Um uh, let's start the rumour mill. Um, do we think that Jan Sass is back in the country? Jan Sass is in the country. He played for the Rezies, uh last the last week, last game of the season for the uh, Rezies. He played and scored. So I have a he's, fun, he's here. I have a funny feeling his family's now joined him, which might make things, you know. All oh, right, so he doubled awesome. down, went home, and brought them back. Okay, fair enough. Um, and Alex, I believe Alex Rufa had 30 minutes in that game as well. Yeah, he did, mate. Um, I didn't get to see it because, you know, weather and flooding and stuff, I couldn't get there, but uh, he did play 30 minutes, and he's talked, uh, I think there's an article out today where he's talking about uh, his uh, coming back after the uh, after the ACL injury. So hoping, yeah. hoping, because I think that he will make a significant difference. I'm hoping he'll be able to start... Or at least you know play some part in the next couple of games, but leading up into Christmas break. Yeah, I don't know whether I can't remember if it was the club or if it was Piney, but one of the two was tweeting this afternoon that he's available for selection this weekend. Whether that's ninety minutes worth of selection, who knows? But he's available. He's fit enough to play. Yeah, I would be very surprised if after an ACL and thirty minutes of football, he's he's starting. But um, you know, it's nice to have. Uh, Another option, and that's in the ranks of the six. Uh, and um, is everyone else back on board after the, the two weeks? Clank Lewis, I assume, is back and fully fit. Yeah, I think uh, I think everyone's over their injuries. It was, um, yeah, I don't don't think anybody is out, which is great, right? Because you know, a few days off makes a world of difference, and a bit of time to actually treat injuries without having games to worry about at the end of it is going to make a world of difference to some of these guys. Well, God forbid I should point out that the um, blokes that are over in Qatar at the moment who haven't had a um, time off, that, um, someone was asking me today about uh, why are they all wearing um, masks. It's like, well, they've broken noses and everything. They haven't recovered. So, 
yeah, I, I'm hoping they've enjoyed those nice two weeks off. Um, are we excited for this game, or is it just a, a, too much football at the moment? I mean, it'd be nice that it's in our time zone for a start. It's kind of crept up on me a little bit. Um, for some for some reason, I had in my mind that next week was the week that they're back, but um, it's because your mindset on twelve pubs, buddy. I mean, I mean that's the logical conclusion to draw from that. Um, yeah, I mean they've had a long time to stew over that last game against Western United, don't they? So you can hope you you hear it, see a bit of a response from the team, and hopefully get a, a second win over there. Do you think Ufi's uh, calmed down? <laughs> it's been three weeks, mate. I certainly hope so. Oh, I haven't forgotten. So there's every chance that he hasn't forgotten either. I don't think he's forgotten. Until Dale said it, I'd actually totally forgotten about it. I'd, I'd managed to block that out of my mind. And then as soon as he said it, I was like, oh, that's fucking right. <laughs> and um, start going through that trauma all over again. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm kind of excited to see it, see it back, though. It'll be nice. Uh, obviously, it's kind of football overload at the moment. But we are getting to that point of the, the World Cup where there are some breaks. It's not constant, everyday football. Mm. Um, so it'll be nice mixing the club back in to help you know, ease us out the other side of the Heisman World Cup. <laughs> oh. Our methadone drip. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'll be honest, I'm looking forward to that sleep in tomorrow morning, which will be the first one since the World Cup started. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, I, I don't think there's a possible... I don't think football overload is possible. Um, I may be in a minority here, but I will watch every game of football I possibly can. So I'm just as excited about this one as I was about the games I was up at four o'clock this morning watching. So, yeah. Yeah, no. There's like I get up early enough already, mate. I don't need four o'clock unless it's an important game. Yeah, I've been I've been really enjoying those eight o'clocks. It's been fantastic. Oh. It's a perfect time for working from home football. Frosty, you don't need four o'clocks anymore because Germany ain't there any longer. Exactly, mate. <laughs> Haven't had to worry about that for two whole World Cups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, haven't won a knockout game since they won the World Cup, and neither has Spain and neither has Italy. So. Yeah. In Frosty's defence, he did pick it last time we recorded that it was going to go badly for Germany, and he was he was right. right. Yep, that's fair. Yep, and it has cost a few people jobs, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know that you need to take your anger out at work like that, Frosty. You can just keep it at home. There's a reason why I'm not allowed to hire and fire people for my job. So, yeah. Otherwise, World Cup games would be a very bad time to be around me, I think. Yeah, but at performance review time, I'd have to give you a Bayern shirt and you'd be away. So, sort it. Oh, yeah, that's not quite how things work in IT. They ask me why has it got letters on it. Um. So the uh, Wanderers game, let's uh, have a prediction before we get too distracted. I think we're going to lose 2-1. I reckon an ugly draw. Mark Rudan's Western Sydney Wanderers don't tend to do much. Maybe I reckon we'll get done on the counter by Yingi at some stage, but we might bundle our goal ourselves. I'm going to pick draw as well, but with more goals, maybe a 2-all or a 3-all. Bad, bad defending all round, bad goals, but lots of them. Yeah, this feels like it's either going to be a two-all or we're going to lose 2-1 to the ugliest football we've ever seen. Just incompetence, like it, it cannons off a bar and hits someone in the face and goes in. Nah, we're going to win 2-1, but we're going to play ugly. Win ugly. I'll take a win ugly. I mean, so no one's picking this as a game to watch then. We've all <laughs> said it's going to be ugly regardless of the result. So. Yeah, I mean, Good. considering it... it what was it? Six games before the before the World Cup break, and then two weeks off. I don't think anyone's going to be hitting their straps in, on either side, to be honest. But yeah, who knows? They might have. There might be a whole lot of Aussies who are inspired by what Australia did in the World Cup. Hopefully, um, some of the ones on our team. Yeah, be nice. Would be nice. Um, and just to wrap it up, the. Uh, the women's team are taking on Canberra. How do we think that they'll go with this next game? Do we see an improvement? Do we see a change? What do we reckon? Canberra haven't exactly started their season that flash. They've had two draws and they had the bye last week. So, um, and they were, uh, were they second to bottom last year, I think, as well. So, um, yeah. 
Don't they have Jale this year? They, do. they have Jale. Yeah. So it's um, we'll find out how much we miss her. Sure. She probably score a, a hat trick of headers. Yeah, I'd say. But uh, I think we're going to score a few more this weekend too. Um, I think we might get a couple. Um, do we know if Rollo or um, uh, Kate are back? Well, Rollo, Rollo talked last week, I think, to the media, and I got the impression it wasn't going to be anytime soon. Right. Do we know anything about Lily as well? Because I remember the early reports were she was going to miss the first three, um, but then I assume it'll be how the recovery is going, and I don't think we've really heard anything since then, have we? So I thought um, I thought she said she was aiming when we interviewed her. I thought she said she was aiming for the seventeenth, the double header. Um, okay, there you go. But I may be I may be misremembering that. But that's that's what I uh, that's what I thought I heard her say on the on our podcast. Yeah, I I remember something along the lines of what Dave said, but I I have in the back of my head that she didn't sound very convinced of yeah, like that was a very outside shot. Um, it would be good to have her back, but uh, hopefully we can start getting the, those troops coming back and a good performance. Um, Canberra is the the team to target if we if we haven't managed to pick up off victory. Surely this is the one where we've got to get that three points and get the season started. Yes. Hundred percent. We need. We do need to win this game. On that definitive note, let's wrap it up. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for um, everyone getting in the room at the same time as well. Sorry for being late. Um, and hopefully you enjoy the rest of the football that is going on this week. Uh, make sure you see the women's uh, game and then the men's game. I believe it's straight after. Is it five and seven? Correct. Uh, so. Get your snacks ready, get your six-pack of uh, non-alcoholic beverages ready, and uh, enjoy the local football. Thanks for listening. Bye.